Uh, last week I started a series, and um, just to clarify, I didn't lie. I talked to my brother-in-law this week, and he was fishing in Florida last week. So I wanted to make sure, I mean, that would have been guilt for me if I, if I had misrepresented that fact. But he was, and he didn't catch any groupers, so I don't feel so bad. Uh, he said they caught a lot of mackerel and some, a lot of snapper, I guess. But there was, anyway, that's besides the point. Um, but we started a series last week. It's only going to be a few weeks, but it's just on positioning ourselves uh, for the presence of God. Uh, we looked at Zacchaeus, uh, the short guy, remember his story? Jesus was coming, and he wanted to see Jesus, and he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead of them, and he climbed a tree, and he positioned himself uh, for the presence of God. And so what I was doing this week was I was kind of looking in, specifically probably more so the Old Testament, looking for examples of the presence of God. Like, where do we see the presence of God in the Old Testament? Because probably if we can find examples of, of, of the presence, we can see how people were positioned to experience that presence. Does that make sense? Like, we can look a little bit at the backstory of the presence and see what preceded it and ultimately come up with some ideas or some things of things that we can do to position ourselves to experience the presence of God. Like, it's one thing for, for us to say, Zacchaeus ran and he climbed a fig tree. Like, okay, what tree am I supposed to climb? Like, seriously, that's what I'm supposed to do. Go climb a tree. Like, I don't get that. That doesn't resonate with me. So I'm hoping I can come with some, some practical applications. And today I'm going to talk about an S word that we don't talk about in church. Um, and it's not the one that you're thinking. But I want to look at at, at least, I think there's four different stories that, that I'm going to reference today of the presence of God in the Old Testament. And, and ultimately, when I think of the Old Testament presence of God, my mind goes to the temple or the tabernacle, because that's really where we saw it experienced. So there's some verses. Uh, Moses, remember, he was the first one. Uh, God gave him some instructions, and so he built this canvas, this tent, uh, the tabernacle, uh, for the people of God. And when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord. He heard the voice speaking to him. This is the first time he came in there. So the the voice of the Lord spoke to him between the cherubim, uh, above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law. And in this way, the Lord spoke to him. And I should have included this, but just in in a chapter just beyond that, on the day of the tabernacle, um, the tent of testimony was set up. That's the same day we're talking about. Um, The cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. When you talk about the presence of God, Solomon, he experienced something similar when he took the time to actually build the physical temple. So he did what Moses did, but he did it a lot more extravagantly. Um, I know in this chapter uh, or the preceding chapter in Numbers 4 and 5, it talks about the gold he used. Uh, It's anywhere from 600 talents of gold to 100,000 talents of gold, depending on where you look at in Scripture. All I know, 600 talents, if you want a modern computation, it's over $1 billion worth of gold in today's understanding. Now, if 600 is worth over a billion, I'm not doing the math on how much 100,000 talents would be. Okay, So it was an extravagant temple that Solomon built. It says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, the trumpeters... And musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices and praised the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. 
The priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. I mean, I want you to think about the presence of God. You talk about powerful presence. It was so tangible. There was a cloud that came in. The glory was so great that Pastor Steve couldn't talk. I mean, you talk about a miracle, right? The priests couldn't perform their duties. They couldn't do what they were called to do because the glory of God, the presence of God came in this place. My next example, this is Elijah. Remember Elijah? Um, He was a prophet of God and he was on a mountain and he was having a confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Lots of stories, lots of information. None of this, just these are just backstories to give you a picture of what's going on. Remember, this is the moment where I think we see a little bit of flesh in Elijah because he taunts them because they're both going to have a sacrifice. They're going to put it on an altar and they're going to cry out to their God and Elijah's going to cry out to his God and one of them's going to consume the, the, sacri- the sacrifice with fire. And so that's when they start crying out and he says, hey, maybe you need to be a little bit louder because like maybe your God can't hear you and all that stuff. And then he gets to his time and he says, hey, let's get some water. Let's dump some water on the sacrifice, like not just a cup of water, but a lot of water. So it's like flowing in the trench around it. I mean, that's all that's going on. But then the presence of God shows up because it says in verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate. I have to say that slowly because in my devotion, I said prostrate and I had to correct it. And cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. We have presence of God that is tangibly experienced, whether it's in Numbers, whether it's in Second Chronicles, whether it's with Elijah on the mount. There's something about the presence. They position themselves, obviously, for the presence of God. Again, going back to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he just wanted to see Jesus, but he got to experience The presence of God. That's what we talked about last week. When did he experience it? When Jesus reached that spot, when he looked up the tree and he saw this little short guy hanging on a branch and he said, hey, I must come to your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Four stories. Four different and yet similar manifestations of the presence of God. But there's one theme that I found in all four of these stories. There's one idea of positioning that I didn't read yet in each of these stories that allowed them to experience the presence of God. Moses and number seven, just a few verses before it. These were the offerings of the Israelite leaders. For the dedication of the altar when it was anointed with 12 silver plates, 12 silver sprinkling bowls, and 12 gold dishes. Each silver plate weighed 130 shekels, and each sprinkling bowl weighed 70 shekels. Altogether, the silver dishes weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. I didn't look that up, so you can look that up if you want homework today. What is a sanctuary shekel? And say that 10 times fast. Way. Twelve gold dishes filled with the incense weighed ten shekels each, according to the sanctuary shekel. Altogether, the gold dishes weighed 120 uh, shekels. So then verse 87. 
The total number of animals for the burnt offering came to 12 young bulls, 12 rams, 12 male lambs a year old, together with their grain offering. 12 male goats were used for the sin offering. The total number of, the total number of animals for the sacrifice of the fellowship offering came to 24 oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and 60 male lambs a year old. These were the offerings for the dedication of the altar after it was anointed. Now, I want you to think about that moment. We're preparing for the presence of God. And what is Moses doing? Or what are the priests doing? They brought 24 oxen, oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and, and 60 lambs a year old. That's... 200, I mean, yeah, 204 animals that they're about to do what? They're about to sacrifice them. So every time company gets ready to come to your house, you grab a bunch of animals and you take them to the kitchen table and you sacrifice them to get ready for the presence of the company that's coming, right? Right? I mean, can you imagine what that moment, we read this and and it's a lot of numbers, it's a lot of this, it's a lot of that. Can you imagine what that moment looked like? If you can imagine what that one, look at 2 Chronicles. When the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The Levitical priests carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. Now, they just told me in another chapter, a uh, 100,000 um, talents of gold, but they couldn't count the amount of sheep and cattle that were being sacrificed before the temple was 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 a, was set apart for the work of God. Now, if you can imagine what 204 was like, can you imagine the mess? Can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine the sounds? I mean, the sights? Of this moment, but this is what we're doing. Like, we're about to experience the presence of God. They heard what happened with Moses. They knew about this cloud. And, and we're about to experience the presence of God. We're bringing the Ark of the Covenant with us to put it in the temple. And so let's just sacrifice a bunch of animals. I mean, everybody wants to come to that scene. But what I see in Scripture time and time again, is sacrifice precedes the presence of God. The S word that I want to talk about today is this word sacrifice. You know, we don't talk about it much in a New Testament context because Jesus Christ is a sacrifice once and for all, right? I mean, so we don't have to talk about it anymore because Jesus already did that. But the reality that I see, there's a formula, there's, a, there's an equation that I begin to see in the Old Testament that, that in the midst of sacrifice, suddenly the presence of God is experienced. 
in the midst of sacrifice, it seems to, it, it seems to come before the, the opportunity to experience the presence of God. Elijah on the mountain, what did he do? At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you're the God in Israel, that I'm your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you're turning their hearts back again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell down and burned up the sacrifice. Sacrifice preceded the presence of God. You say, what about Zacchaeus? You used him as an example. Zacchaeus heard God say to him, hey, I must come to your house today. But before he came to his house, what did Zacchaeus say? See, this is sacrifice. Before he got to have dinner with Jesus, before he got to bring him in and and show him the the 52-inch flat screen that he had, Zacchaeus stood up. Jesus said, I must stay with you. Before the presence was fully experienced, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today's salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Sacrifice. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Guess what he did for a living? Not just tax people, but he took advantage of people. That's what tax collectors did. They got some for Caesar and they got some for themselves. He said, first before I do anything else, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. Okay, that's a big commitment. I think the bigger commitment is I'm going to give four times. Oh, I didn't even put it up there so you can't see it. I'm going to give four times the amount to those who, have, who, who I've cheated. You see, there's a position of sacrifice. Then Jesus says today, salvation, restoration, renewal, the presence of God, putting yourself in the right position to experience all that I have has happened. Why? Because sacrifice precedes presence. Why? Why sacrifice? I'm telling you, in in our context, in the context of our world, we don't like to think about sacrifice. It's not about us. (laughs) It's not about us feeling good. It's not about us uh, doing or getting or receiving. It's about us giving. It's about us showing. It's about us demonstrating. You know what I was thinking? Sacrifice is truly a revelation of love. How do I say that? Now, this is going to be, some of you will track with me and some of you won't. I know my wife loves me when she gives me some French fries. But that's how I know my wife loves me, which I don't get that very often, just for the record. Right? Don't, don't lie. You see, sacrifice is truly a revelation of love. Last week we talked about Zacchaeus. I want to read a scripture. It's familiar to us. Uh, I believe a wise man preached on it in our church recently. This was one of your verses, wasn't it, Luke? 
So anyway, that's where I was going with that. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land you're crossing, the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his degrees, decrees, not degrees, his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Last week we saw, I believe that verse 5 is the key to positioning ourselves to experience the presence of God. Last week we looked at someone who with his strength positioned himself for the presence of God, right? Isn't that what Zacchaeus did? He ran ahead, he climbed up, he put himself by his strength to to experience the presence of God. Today, I want to talk about how we position ourselves for the presence of God by loving him with all of our soul. So that's the hard part sometimes. Our soul is, is that flesh. It's that, it's, that, it's that stuff in us that sometimes stands up against the knowledge of God. And we see that, that the revelation or the understanding for the, for the position to experience his presence, it comes by loving the Lord with all our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. Yeah, I can do it with my stuff. That's something sometimes I think we're good at, like just loving with our strength. That's, I mean, even the Pharisees, they were kind of good at demonstrating that anyway. It's tangible, I can, I can do this. But when it comes to loving God with all of my soul, I remember in college when I started thinking about love, the definition that young, not-so-wise Steve came up with, but wise, much wiser Steve now, some years later is still saying it. Love is putting someone else above yourself. Isn't that truly what love is? Love is watching Frozen over and over. Oh, get ready, buddy. And over and over and over to the point you're singing the songs again. Love is putting something or someone above yourself. That's truly what love is. Love is sacrifice in the, in the essence of what is. But it's, it's this soul sacrifice. There's something that I want, but French fries, but I'm willing to share with someone I love. My husband, we're going to McDonald's later. You know, I think we misunderstand sacrifice because we misunderstand the intent of sacrifice. God is, he always is, right? We sang a song, said he's Emmanuel, that's God with us. He promises he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Why is the presence so hard to find? I mean, sometimes I think we view sacrifice, like we view fasting, like that if we do it, we're going to get God's attention. Right? Isn't that what we think? Like if I sacrifice something, then God's going to see me. And when God finally sees me, then he'll, he'll come and, and, and he'll have dinner with me. We think of sacrifice in the context that I believe we're changing God by our sacrifice. You understand what I'm saying? 
Like suddenly God's going to love me more because I brought a lot of cows and, I, and I've sacrificed them for him. Somehow, some way, we think that sacrifice, maybe not everybody else, maybe this is just a Pastor Steve thing that I had to work through, that sacrifice changes God. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what sacrifice changes? Sacrifice changes me. See, sacrifice, I'm the object of sacrifice. I'm the one impacted by sacrifice. My soul is what's changing in sacrifice. God is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll read this because it's in italics and bold and larger print, so I wouldn't forget to say it. I think perspective is that we sacrifice to get God's attention. But as I pray and think about sacrifice, we're not getting God's attention. He's ever-present, always with us. We sacrifice to get our attention. Like my sacrifice changes what I'm looking at. My sacrifice changes what I'm pursuing. My sacrifice changes where I'm standing or what I'm standing on. My sacrifice changes what I'm putting my trust and confidence in. My sacrifice changes the soul peace inside of me. And I want to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. For me to love God with all my soul, I must sacrifice. I say it's impossible to love God with all your soul without sacrifice. It's impossible. We cannot love God with all of our soul until we're willing to wrestle through the things in us. There's things in us. There's flesh. Paul talks about it. He writes about it. He wrestles with it. The acts of the flesh. We do things in this world to gratify the desires of our flesh. Sometimes the french fries are just too good to share. There's a lot of times we have disappointed kids on the way home from Shadron. Because mama's selfish. <laughs> There's a lot of times we miss the presence of God because Stevie's selfish. We know. We know what's separating us. We know what he's asking us to sacrifice. Man, it tastes good. I'll just say I'm sorry later. (laughs) You see, sacrifice is really sorry before, not sorry after. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather you think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. See, the sacrifice is a New Testament principle as well. But see, that sacrifice for sin that we were so worried about, it's been done once and for all. But now there's a sacrifice. There is you and I. We're living sacrifices. We're positioning ourselves for for the, the presence of God. Amen. I heard that. Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified. You talk about sacrifice. Huh? Do we think about that? I've been crucified with Christ. Who's been crucified? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You know, there's, there is a me. There was a Steve who wanted to serve everything that Steve wanted. Everything in me was about what I wanted, what I desired, what I needed. There came a position in my life where I had to say, I want to lay down what I want. I want to lay down the aspirations I have. I want to lay down and put them before him, all that I am. I am crucified with Christ. My identity. You want to talk about a hard thing for us to lay down? Lay down your identity. I mean, our name is everything. I worked my whole life to have my name, right? People know who I am. I get my name put on a football field. I've been crucified with Christ. It's not about what everyone calls me. It's not about how everybody perceives me. Because he says in 1 Peter (laughs) that we're strangers and aliens in this world. You see, sacrifice precedes presence. Jesus taught on this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And take up their cross daily and follow me. How often do we have to sacrifice? I think the Old Testament was great. Once a year we offered a sin offering. Some of us in the New Testament thinks once in a lifetime we offer up a sin offering. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple. I'm going to ponder on that. I'm going to let you ask yourself that question and not ask for a response from you. Do you want to be his disciple? You must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very... Some translations say soul. 
You see, we love God with all of our soul. I love him with all of myself. I recognize there's self that's ugly and separates me from Savior. And I have to daily. Some of us, maybe we should change that to hourly. Some of us, maybe we should change that to continually. Offer up a sacrifice. Confession. Some of you will laugh. Our dryer died. So we went online to look for a new dryer. You know the only place around I could find where I could buy a dryer? Be quiet, Pam. So, I ordered a dryer from Sears. If you don't know the rest of the story... Ask me sometime or ask Walt sometime. Sears brought out Self and Steve 13 years ago. And it said it was in stock. That's the only reason I purchased this this particular dryer. It was just a cheap one. It was in stock. So when I called them, guess what wasn't in stock? And I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I called the store and I asked them, when can I expect my dryer? Well, we don't show one in the warehouse. I wanted to. I so wanted to. I've been crucified with Christ. I had a nice conversation with a lady in Chatter. She said, it might come this week. It might not. I said, thank you. And I hung up. That's a victory in my life. That is, that is the fruit of the Spirit coming forth. But then, sometimes the test is too great. I get an email. One hour later. You know what my email says? Your order is ready for pickup. Man, I knew it wasn't there. Well, Mike, I'm going over there. I'm going to give me a discount. I talked to my wife, and you know what? I said, dear, you got to call. And my wife called and talked to him and not me. Because sometimes we just got to sacrifice. Sometimes we got to deny ourselves. That would have been a fun conversation. I wanted to ask them why they could send me an email that says my order's ready to pick up when they still told my wife my, my order wasn't ready for pickup. I wanted to be able to tell them they're foolish, they're crazy, they're whatever else. But I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live for myself, but I live for Him. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, to gain a dryer, and forfeit myself? You see, I've been denied with Christ. 
It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a holy, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I shared this. What did I say Solomon decorated the temple with? The finest of gold. I'm not sure if this was the connecting point, but it seemed pretty profound to me. Solomon used priceless amounts of gold to construct his temple. God is using priceless amounts of gold. That's you and I to construct his temple. We refine gold, right? We put it through a purification process to get the impurities out so it can shine, so it can be brilliant, so it can reflect, so it can resound. We are that, and we're continually offering spiritual sacrifices. Why? So the cloud of His presence can appear. So the glory of God can be revealed. I want the cloud. I want the glory. I want His presence. But I'll never get to His presence if I'm not willing to sacrifice therefore Christ suffered in his body arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin as a result they don't live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires but rather for the will of God that's the sacrifice that we're offering Sacrifice precedes the revelation of his presence and positions me to experience it. There's a story that I don't want to be any of us. This is my last story for today. We know this story. There was someone who had the opportunity to experience the presence of Jesus Christ. There's a story of a rich ruler who asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments? You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these things I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sacrifice. Self. Identity. That which you value. So sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Sometimes the sacrifice is too much and we're not willing. I have heard remorse from my wife before for eating all the French fries. You see, sometimes we just choose the sacrifice is too great. And we choose self over Savior and we don't experience His presence. We choose what we want, what we have, what we need over the one who says, I am. I'll give you everything that you need. Ask, seek, knock. 
And whose position changed? I think another translation says he went away sad. You see, self caused this rich ruler to be positioned away from the presence of God. Sacrifice positions us for his presence. Good luck. Today, I want to be clear. (laughs) The temple has been built. Right? You yourselves, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple was complete, but it wasn't until the sacrifice that the presence was revealed. What is God asking you today? Because I see in Scripture sometimes the sacrifice... Remember that story of that rich, or that not-so-rich, sorry, that poor widow? When they saw her just put like, like three little coins in the offering plate, and they were laughing like, really, what was that? But that sacrifice, they said that she gave all. Your sacrifice is going to be different in your life. Sacrifice will be different in your context. God made us all different. We all have things that, that we hold on to. We all have self that we wrestle with. We all have stuff that stands in the way of the presence of God. But what God sees, what God, what, what, when we experience His presence and when we say, you know what, I'm too busy looking at my stuff. I want to stop looking at my stuff and start looking at my Savior. And sometimes for that to happen, we have to do this thing called repent. Sin. It's that self that separates us. Yeah, that rich ruler, he said, I've done it. I got the commandments down. But Jesus said, there's something in you that's keeping you from my presence. Will you lay it down? That's sacrifice. But, but God, I don't want to. God, you don't know how long I don't know how many generations. I don't know what I've gone through. Because see, you're too busy looking at you and you can't see him. And Jesus is saying, I recognize all that you've done. I recognize that stuff. I recognize those situations. But all I want you to do is just lay it down. It's not to say he won't give it back and give it back greater. You must deny yourself. Come follow me. Father, this morning in this place, I thank you for the presence of God and the promise of that presence. God, I thank you that I can stand confidently and say that you desire us your children, to experience your presence. It is. Holy Spirit, as we've been sharing, you've been highlighting.
those things that God has been nudging you to lay down. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's the wants, the aspirations, the the longings of our heart. You know, sometimes, God, I think it's the woundedness, the offense. You know, we hold on to that. We look at that. We stare at that, that, that circumstance, that situation. And God, you're saying to us this day, are you willing to lay it down? You know, sacrifice is messy. God, you're not distracted by the mess. I pray in this place, God, that we could deny ourselves. That we could be those living sacrifices. That in this moment, in these next few moments, God, that we would, we would pray, that we would cry out, that we would seek you. But God, it wouldn't just be a moment on a Sunday morning, but it would be a practice in our life daily. God, I ask you would speak. And I pray for your presence. In Jesus' name. As Tim leads us in this song, I just encourage you, don't sing yet. She can sing for us all. But literally ask God, like, is there something you need me to sacrifice? See, sacrifice precedes the presence. We don't sacrifice for the reward. We sacrifice for the promise of God. Because I need him. I need his presence every day. So take a moment and and spend time with him. If you want to come to the altar, see, the altar is a place of sacrifice. That'll be a sermon that's coming. That's what this is about. Altars where the sacrifice took place. Sometimes we say, why do we go forward in church? Like, Pastor, I don't want to feel weird. I get it. But oftentimes the altar is an opportunity for us to lay down. It's established. Because that's where the sacrifice happens. If you want to spend time at the altar, it's open. You can come. And I promise you, no one's going to judge you. No one's going to think less of you. No one's going to say, man, that was an awful stinky mess he left there. It's the altar. And the sacrifice takes place. And the presence of God comes. And I believe this morning that God wants to be with you. I believe he wants you to see the cloud. I believe he wants to show you his glory. 
have a, a rich young ruler moment when he speaks and you hear. I don't want anyone walking away saying Because my God satisfies. God, we come to you this day. We hear you. We know what you've acknowledged. We know what you're asking. So this day, God, we lay down. We sacrifice. We deny ourselves. We repent for sin. We honor you, God, with what we have, with what we long for. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you that Jesus Christ came so that we could have a way. That through Jesus, he said he's the way, the truth, and the life. That through him and through his love for us, we experience the presence of God. Help us to experience it daily. Continually. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace, and may you hear and sacrifice so you can position for his presence. Amen.